tickled at these little kids up here worshiping. And then I get tickled at looking at some of your faces like you get nervous about that for some reason. I don't know why you get nervous when these kids are worshiping, but they're learning to worship. Somebody say amen. It doesn't bother me to get a child by the hand and walk around and teach them how to worship. And it shouldn't bother you to do that either. So if you feel liberty, many of these kids are coming off the vans. They don't have parents here. If you feel like God is saying, hey, just go walk with them. Let's just teach them how to worship. Men, they want to. They're here all the time. They want to worship the Lord. And I just thank God for them. Amen. Praise God. I love walking around with them. They're really cool. All right. Today is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is actually Memorial Day. Uh, I'm going to ask Brother Chris to help me this morning. My voice is still not really good, so he's going to do some reading for me. Amen. Or Caden is, or somebody is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for what it represents, Lord, for this weekend, for what tomorrow represents. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for our freedom. And, God, we ask you this morning, God, just to bless the us that as we read this word, as we preach this word, God, let it come out the way you want it to come out. Let it minister to our hearts. Let our hearts be receptive in this congregation this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You can turn me down just a little bit, Ronnie. Just just a tad. Turn me down just a little bit. All right. Praise God. This is Memorial Day weekend. Turn it back up just barely. Don't too far. We remember those who lost their lives fighting for the freedom that we have today. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Freedom to worship openly. Freedom to become whatever God wants us to be. Freedom to buy. Freedom to sell. Freedom to enjoy sports, music, etc. Freedom to make mistakes. Freedom to get up and try again when we fail. Somebody say amen. Freedom of democracy to elect those to lead us in government. I'm not going to ask how many went out and voted this past week, but if you didn't, shame on you. You need to register. Somebody say amen. Because if we don't do it, why do we have this great democracy? So, well, I just don't want to do it. You need to go vote. I hope there was more that voted than the three amens that just came forth. Amen. Go register. Go vote. It's our freedom. If, it was, if you didn't have it, you'd be griping about it. If you didn't have the right to vote, you'd be griping about it and protesting. Somebody say Amen. But we do have that right to vote. And this coming up fall, there are some important elections taking place in our local community. There are some things happening that we need God to, to make sure that we have the right people in place. So, somebody say amen. So Christians, get out and vote. Amen. We have freedom to have prayer on the courthouse steps, which we just had a, a few weeks ago. Only about 100 people showed up. Now, I know it wasn't publicized a lot. We have a day of a year that is set aside as a national day of prayer. And every time we've had it on the courthouse steps, I don't think we've ever had more than 150 people there. What a slap in the face. 
Come on, what a slap. I know some people are working, can't take off in the middle of the day, but there's many that can still make it down to the courthouse and pray for an hour. We have a freedom of praying around a flagpole at school every September. But how many is actually doing that? When you pull up and you see only 25 or 30 people gathered around out of a, out of a school of 1,000 students, what's wrong with this picture? People died for that freedom that we could stand around a flagpole and pray. Somebody say amen. We have a freedom to have rallies, crusades openly in gymnasiums and auditoriums wherever or outside on a parking lot for Jesus. We have that freedom. So we have come this morning and we're going to remember those heroes and we, we praise God for our freedom today. Somebody say amen. All right. Memorial Day for me growing up and Sammy and Ronnie and maybe some, I don't know, is anybody else here from Walnut Grove? Our, our days, or Kathy back there, remember what Memorial Day signified. It was called Graveyard Cleaning Off Day. That's what Memorial Day signified. We, we looked forward to that. We had a big time. Everybody gathered together on Memorial Day. We cleaned the graveyard right outside the church. Got it looking really good. Then we had a big dinner on the grounds. Potluck, man. We had it st spread out everywhere. That's my memory of Memorial Day, what it means to me also, and looking back and remembering those that are in the graveyard. What an awesome day that was. We'd gather around after that and go in and have music and just have a good time in the Lord. It also signified, to me, it meant the beginning of summer. I don't know about you, but I think everybody pretty well thinks of Memorial Day saying, okay, it's the start of summer vacations. It's, it's the start of summer. It used to be called Decoration Day years ago when it was first started. I don't know what it means to you. And a lot of people take it as a weekend of going and camping and boating, and, and this is just their weekend to start everything off for the summer. I hope and pray that we don't, and I love having those times to be able to do that, but I hope and pray that we don't have a habit of doing it every Sunday morning. Can somebody say amen? What are you saying, Brother Gary? I'm saying, man, take your vacations, enjoy the time with your family. But let's don't look at summer as three months off from worshiping the Lord. Y'all looking at me like, what are you saying? I'm saying we got people that will take this opportunity throughout the summer and say, well, I don't have to come to church. You know, Jesus died for June, July, and August also. Somebody say amen. So we don't take this time and just say, okay, we got three months off. And a lot of times people get scattered during the summer, but I know that everybody has vacations. Take them, have fun, have a good time but come back revved up, ready to go. So the next person that goes on vacation, you take their spot. Somebody say amen. Don't get mad at me this morning. Y'all look like you're mad at me. Somebody say I love you, Brother Gary. Thank you. We must keep Memorial Day, though. What it means is a day of remembering our heroes. What is a memorial? A memorial is a marker. The, this little clip is so amazing that uh, I receive that this week because I already planned on talking about Joshua and the stones and the monument that he built. And we're going to start there. I'm going to ask Brother Chris just to start reading in 3 and 7 if you would. Chapter 3, Joshua verse 7. Joshua 3, 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Stop right there just for a second. Joshua was a little concerned that he wasn't going to be able to walk in the, in the footsteps of Moses. He had to lead the people, children of Israel. He was a little concerned with all this. What God was telling Joshua was saying, this day Israel is going to understand who, that you are their leader. I'm going to magnify you. Now let me say this to you. We don't, we don't do the things that we do to be magnified to get the big head. But God uses things and magnifies things so that he would get the glory. Somebody say amen. So concerning us, I want you to understand God is wanting to work through you so that the world can see God magnified through you. Somebody say amen. He wants to do some mighty exploits through you. He wants you to do some things that grandma and grandpa used to do and things like He wants you to do some stuff that's going to blow the world's minds and the world's going to recognize the anointing that's here and on you and you're going to be able to make a difference in this old dark world. This day, it's time that you are magnified so that you can bring light to this world. Somebody say amen. Praise God. I wasn't going to preach for long. Go ahead. Go to the next one. Verse 8. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Verse 10. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Anybody got any ites in your, in your family you need to be drove, drove out or anything? Deal with any ites? We all have some ites, don't we? Go ahead, Brother Chris. Verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Verse 12. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel and of every tribe a man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. we remember what the, the Ark of the Covenant was? The Ark of the Covenant was the representation of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that was their... Uh, reference point to the Holy Ghost, to the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. To the very presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. They were packing. It was very precious. It was very precious. I don't want to preach on that this morning, but it was a very precious thing that they were packing, and they had to handle it carefully. Go ahead. And as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all its banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. 
And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now remember what's taking place here. They're packing the, the very presence of God. They're packing the, the ark of the covenant, something most, so pre- precious to them. Backing up, don't forget, God said, Today I'm going to magnify you, Joshua, in front of everybody. You're going, they're going to know that you are their leader. Everybody knows that Moses, what happened when he came to the Red Sea and all the things that happened with Moses. But today, Joshua, they're going to see you as their leader. Somebody say amen. So they come to the River Jordan, and the River Jordan usually was like 40 feet wide. It was about like Green River at places. You know, it wasn't a real wide river. It wasn't very deep. But in the springtime, all the waters would come down, and it would flood. And that little 40-foot-wide river became a two-mile-wide river, two miles, and 40-foot deep. So now we see a true miracle beginning to take place here. And when they, and the, the Word of God came to them, instructed them, and told Joshua to tell them, keep carrying it, don't stop when you get to the water. Just whenever you put your foot in the water, told the priest, guess what's going to happen? The water's going to dry up. And it happened. We're going to find out in a few moments what happened with that. But, but the waters did dry up. And they were able to walk across on dry land. Understand, this is a true miracle. How many knows that miracles still happen? Amen. So Moses did a lot of miracles. Joshua was getting ready to be magnified in front of all of Israel. Chapter 4. Let's go. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Verse 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers, in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, That the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Keep going, just a couple more. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them until the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Verse 9. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest, which bear the ark of the covenant, stood. And there they are there unto this day. Go to verse 22, Chris, if you would. Okay. Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you 
until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. Good job, Chris. Give Chris a good hand. I thank him for doing that. It's a lot of reading. Praise God. I kind of kind of felt like anybody seen Christian Network Ephraim Zimblis Jr. when he would read the Word of God and it would sound just so. Man, he's got a good reading voice. I appreciate that. Amen. Two memorials we're talking about here. Uh, the first memorial in verse nine. There was twelve stones put in the midst of the river Jordan. Joshua said, I'm going to leave them here in the riverbed and when the water comes back over, nobody's ever going to see them. This signified death. Somebody say death. This signified death of sin and unbelief to the children of Israel. We're building this memorial. Nobody's going to see it. It's buried under the river Jordan on the riverbed. The second memorial was to be set up after on the other side in Gilgal was where it was set at. And this memorial was to be when people would see it, they would ask, Tommy, what's this what's these stones about? And Tommy would be able to say, Hey, you won't believe this, but one day when we came to this river and it was two miles wide, we put our feet, we stepped into it, and the waters went back and was cut off, and we were able to walk across on dry ground. This memorial, everybody that came past it, everybody that asked questions about it, they would be able to share what God had done. Somebody say amen. That was the second memorial that was built. Twelve stones, one for each tribe of Israel. We need to reflect on some of the miracles in our past. Somebody say amen. Too many times we go about and never talk about what God has done. We just keep saying, God, when are you going to do something? Well, look at your past and tell me that God hadn't done anything for you. And then we can talk, hey, talk, talk to me about what God has done for you. When you gave your heart to the Lord, when God healed you, when God delivered you, talk to me about the miracles when, that took place in your family. Many times we don't want to talk about all that. We just want to sit around griping and saying, well, I wish God would hurry up and do something. Look what he's already done. Somebody say Amen. He has done so much in my life, in your life. We ought to be praising him and telling people continually. And when people would, would, would ask questions, we ought to be able to share exactly, hey, God did this as a reference point. Somebody say amen. Miracles of the past should live on in us again and again. However, we can't get just stuck there and just talking about past miracles, we've got to talk about them as spiritual reference points and move on expecting God to do something even greater. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Are you with me? All right. Somebody say Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. Past miracles give us faith for present times and troubles and tests and things to come. These miracles become our spiritual markers, our memorials. And Paul said this in, in 1 Timothy 1, 5, and 6. Would you put that up? 1 Timothy 1, 5, and 6. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Verse 6. For which some have served having turned aside until vain jangling 
people who are turning aside from things, from true things, from true things. Turn to First Timothy, if you would, there, Chris. You got it there? You got the mic still? Keep going with that. Oh, I took it back from you. Forgive me, brother. Keep going there for a minute. Yeah, just keep going. Verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what of whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Can I tell you something? We need to respect the word of God. Somebody say amen. Many times we get sidetracked and we forget what God is actually telling us to do. We forget the Word of God. We forget how, how that we have, have had a, a rich heritage in the Word of God. And we start listening to things that are contrary to the Word of God. Somebody say amen. We look and search for answers everywhere. Can I tell you, we need to remember back to, to our heritage to those that place the word of God in us. We need to remember on Memorial Day especially even, we need to remember about the heroes that went before us, the heroes of faith. We need to remember what has been placed in us and quit listening to everything because everything that comes through the wind is not true. Somebody say amen. It may tickle our ears, but, you, but it's not true, everything. In Timothy also it talks about where Paul laid his hands on Timothy, and he said, I want, to, I want to stir up some things in you. I want to lay my hands on you. I want to stir up by, by you remembering what has happened to you. Things that have, I want to stir up that remembrance, and I want to stir up the gift that's within you that you can be used like you're supposed to be used. Paul said, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and when I do, it's going to stir up some stuff in you. When I start talking, when I talk with Sammy or Ronnie or different ones and Kathy about days of old back at Walnut Grove Pentecostal Church, and, and I start talking about Sister Penley, and she had hair when she shouted, she had a big tight bun up here. Anybody seen those Pentecostal buns? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. I think we're going to start doing it. We're not either, I promise. No. I remember that when she would start shouting at 80 years old or whatever she was, and, and that hair would come undone, and it would, it would reach from the top of her head and drag the floor. I remember talking about those things. I remember talking about Brother Doug that, that had Down syndrome, but he would stand up, and, and when it was testimony time, he'd raise his finger. I remember those times, and when I started remembering those times, as Paul was saying to Timothy, it starts stirring things up inside of me. I remember the time when Donna many times would shout on the platform at, at, at different times in our, our ministry. And I remember one time in particular, she'd kill me if we said this, that her shoes came flying past my head. She kicked her shoes off and went dancing through the church. I remember those times. And when I start talking about those times, it stirs something up inside of me. Sherry, it stirs, things start stirring up in me. I want to see it again. I want to see it even more than that. I want to see it. 
We're not satisfied with just coming in half-heartedly worshiping, half-heartedly preaching, and half-heartedly doing this, and half-heartedly working in the community, and half-heartedly doing what God has called us to do. I want to see us do everything we can possibly do and witness some things. Hallelujah. And when we do, we need to start telling people and setting up some memorials. And we need to say, hey, this is, they say, well, what's this all about? I remember at the Lighthouse, we had, uh, at the Lighthouse Pentecostal Church, we had on the wall, was it a walker or, or crutches? Kane, was it Jay, Brother Whitmer? Brother Whitmer got healed completely one night. And Brother Russell said, give me that cane. He hung it up on the wall as a memorial. So when people came into the church, they said, what's that cane hanging up there for? And we would get to say, guess what? This man came in, he was on a cane, couldn't walk, but he left here running. Somebody say amen, a memorial. Hallelujah. I look at my daughter and I go, the memorial here is that several years ago she was diagnosed with, with a rare cancer. But God healed her completely. I look at that and I say, this is a memorial. Somebody say amen. You've got some memorials in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We need to quit half-heartedly doing it and really get in this thing. Stir it up. Turn to somebody and say, stir it up. Agitate it. I might not be an ite, but I'm a tater. I'm an agitator, brother. I want to, I want to agitate you. I want to get you so stirred up. You, you just don't know what to do, man. Just... Just everywhere. How many want to see Chris get stirred up? He is stirred up, man. I'm telling you. I love that. Agita I want to see stir, stir it up. Many times when we come up to the prayer line and we lay hands on you, all we're doing is saying, Lord, stir them up. You already have this gift going on inside of you. Man, stir it up. It's been dormant too long. Amen. Well, I'm going everywhere, but where am I supposed to be going in this thing? Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Stir up. How many have been and had faced financial troubles, but the Lord brought you through it? Stir up that. The next time you face a financial problem, stir up that last time. Stir up that remembrance. Remember back to that spiritual marker back there. I remember back when, when I lost my job and Donna lost her job, and we went from making a lot of money down to nothing. And wonder where we was going to get our food at and what was going to happen and how we was going to make it. And I remember walking out after counseling with another preacher. Nobody knew I was at church. I was counseling with another preacher having a problem here in town. I walk out after counseling with this person. Nobody knew where I was at. In the back of my truck was over $500 worth of groceries. Stir it up. When I get in a financial bind, I look back and I think, man, I thank God for what you did for me that day. If I were $500 worth of groceries, then I look at, and I think back on the day when I was walking through Kroger's and, and I was looking at things and buying what we needed and this guy come walking through with a big bundle of great looking bananas. I said, man, those look good. He said, have one, brother. And I left there and God spoke to my heart and said, I told you I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. So that was my banana day. When I get down and out, I think, I look back to my banana day. I went home and wrote it down. This day is my banana day. I want to preach a message on banana day one day. Peel it, brother. <laughs> Amen. My banana day. Hey, look back on those times. Those are your spiritual markers. Those are your memorials. Somebody say, that's my memorial. 
I can look back to that. Amen. Praise the Lord. You get to face health issues. Remember when God healed your body. How many has ever received a healing in this place? Look back on those times. Every time you get sick and every time you start feeling puny and every time you think the devil's got your number and, and man, you just can't shake it. And Look back to when God healed you. When he last touched your body. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody say amen. When you're facing relationship problems, look back to when he healed your relationship before. Has anybody ever had a relationship healed? Nobody. Has anybody got relationship problems? Only one healing went up. Nobody's, everybody's afraid to raise their hand, especially those that are sitting by your wife. or your, you know, you know. Y'all a bunch of liars. Y'all need to repent. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Everybody in here has had a relationship problem with somebody in your life. Whether it be a friend, whether it be a loved one, whether it be a mom or dad or a brother or sister. I mean, I know brothers and sisters fight like cats and dogs, man. I know. But God will heal relationships. Refer back to those moments. Now remember, and I can say this because Donna's in the back. I love it when she's back there, Jeff, because I didn't say all kinds of things. And I know you won't say nothing. But I remember... But I remember it wasn't about 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago, whatever it was, that we almost got a divorce. And I remember that night, and I so clearly, we, we, Candace went over and stayed with, with Mom, and, and Don and I went down to, to Patty's to talk about what we were going to do, get a divorce. We were going to split up stuff, and it was a mess. I mean, we were getting ready. Tim, we were going down the hill, man. We go to Patty's and it's kind of like eating your last supper or something. I don't know. It was crazy. But we enjoyed our meal and got, it was a romantic meal type of thing. But we was talking about a divorce. You know, you can't do that. You're a pastor. You're a preacher. Hey, can I tell you, preachers have problems. We were having a bad relationship problem, Ricky. Didn't see an impact. I mean, didn't see how he was going to get past it. We was at a block. Headed for Divorce. We go over to Lake Barkley, and there's a park bench over there, and it's like 10 o'clock at night now, and we sit on this park bench, and, and my wife told me everything she hated about me. I didn't know there was anything she hated about me. I'm perfect, man. Anyway, so she tells me this, and so then I start telling her everything I don't like about her. And this went on for two hours on the bank of Lake Barkley, and I take you to the park bench. That's my spiritual reference point. I'd take you back to that bench. If you're having marital problems, I'll drive you down there and show you the bench. I remember that night, and I remember after two hours of, of how much we hated each other, all of a sudden God took over. And I remember that night when God took over, I looked at her and she looked at me, and it was like, could have had a V8 type of thing, man. It was like, I love you, and I love you. And then, Candace, close your ears on this. Then the parking spirit got on us. I mean, it was like, hey, you know, romance. All of a sudden, we were in love again. We were in, yeah, amen. That's my spiritual marker. So, so when we get, we get in a fight, now I look back and thought, well, God, you did it back then. You took care of us. If I have to go back to that park bench, we will. That's my spiritual reference point. That's my memorial. I need to carve my initials in that bench to go down and do that. I remember that night. We left that night, and it was, it was uh, uh, in August, and it was uh, Little Sturgis days where they had their bike rally down at Little Sturgis. And 
motorcycles everywhere, man. And, and it was after midnight now. And Don, I was in my truck, and Donna scooted over and sitting next to me right in the truck. I mean, we was like we was on a date, Tommy. It was cool. And, and so so we're, we're going down the road. We come to a roadblock. The state police had a roadblock set up. And, and, and he shines his light in there and says, what are y'all doing? And I had the cheapest grin on me, I guess. I don't know. I got to be caught when I was a teenager or something. And I said, we're on a date. He just looked at me and said, go on, get out of here. That's my spiritual marker. So when I have a relationship problem, I can go back to that. When our children don't act right, we should be able to remember and go back to when they got saved. Remember how, how happy you were when you saw them at the altar. Remember how happy you were when you saw them rolling around the floor under the power of the Holy Ghost. Anytime Candace has ever made me mad, I, I, in my mind, I, you know, we go to these happy places and safe places. I remember at youth camp one, one year, her rolling in the sawdust in the Holy Ghost. And I think back about that. I think that's a spiritual marker for me. I can always go back to that. She can make me mad, but I'll go back to that and think about that night. Amen. Jacob wrestled with an angel all night long to get a blessing. He came out of it with a blessing, but he also came out of it with a limp. And every time he walked, he remembered that night. We need to remember. We need to have our spiritual markers, our spiritual memorials. Tombstones. How many's ever seen the tomb of the unknown soldier? Anybody in Washington seen that? It's awesome. Anybody ever seen the wall, the Vietnam Wall? It's amazing. These are all memorials. Arlington Cemetery lined with the crosses of all of our loved, those that died for us. It's just mind-boggling to look at. These are things we need to look back on and remember spiritual markers, things that happened for our freedom, things that happened for our spiritual freedom. But some of us, and I'm closing with this, Candace, if you'll come up, some of us want to remember things we shouldn't remember. We make memorials out of our failures. Maybe it's a failure in business. You make a memorial out of that and you go back to it. And I can't try this again. I failed one time. You make a memorial out of failure in a relationship. Well, I had a bad relationship. I'm, not, I'm, I'm scared to get into a relationship with anybody else. So you make a memorial out of that bad relationship. You make a memorial out of church hurts. Many times you've been hurt in church. I think all of us, if you've been in church at any length of time, you've, you've, ex, you've experienced a church hurt. But we make memorials out of that so much of the time that we don't give our service anymore at church. We don't want to get in and work because we're afraid we'll get burnt. This morning I want you to quit living in the graveyard of your past. Quit living in the graveyard of your mistakes. Quit living in the graveyard of, of what could have, would have, should have been. Give everything to the Lord. Look back on the good spiritual markers. Don't look back on the bad spiritual the things that happened to you. Don't look back on those bad memorials. Start remembering your spiritual markers today and everything you do. When you got saved, when you got healed, when you were blessed with a house, when you were blessed with a great job, when God saved your children, when He broke the addiction off of you, set you free, when God restored your relationship, when God spoke a word to you through someone else. Remember those great times. Let your faith start building. Stay the course. Finish the race. 
Let your life be a memorial for generations to come. As we read in Joshua, those, that monument was for generations to come. Let your life be a legacy for people to look at as a memorial saying, I want to be like that. That's a, that's a standard I want to get to. Let your life be a memorial. As we do these things, as I'm going to tell you, you're going to be delivered from poverty. You're going to be delivered from sickness. You're going to be delivered from addictions. You're going to be delivered from complacency. If God did it once, He'll do it again. If He did it for me, He'll do it for you. Somebody say amen. amen. This Memorial Day should be a memorial weekend, a day to be remembered. This year, 2014, should be your year. The heroes of faith listed in chapter 11 in Hebrews should be memorials to us to build our faith. Listen, guys, it's all about remembering. It's about spiritual markers. It's about reference points. Joshua built that monument so people would ask questions. Referring back to what God has done for you. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Amen.